I cried a lot. I was homeless for a while in London. I was sleeping in a hostel room with 15 people. How much do you want it? How would you normally describe yourself? Wow. How do you evolve as an artist? When did YouTube come in? Oh, this is interesting. How can you impart advice then to beginners who are who need to pay the bills? Every beginner has the same problem. So do you believe that anyone can do it? Today was a conversation with Laura BC. Again, like many of my guests, I'm unable to pronounce her last name, so I won't do her the disservice of trying. And she likes to go by her online name anyway. Laura is from Spain, but moved away from her home country purely in the pursuit of a freelance photography career at a time when she had very little other than her camera and a backpack. After some years of hustling in London, Laura started getting some more frequent jobs And it was a real pleasure to hear her story of how she went from basically nothing into a self-sustaining photography business. We also chatted about her digital profiles, especially her growing success on YouTube, her equipment, her passions, and her methods, not to mention her recent life-changing move to Bali. Laura has an infectious attitude and zest for her photography life. And it's hard to be around her and not become positively energized with her attitude. She's such an inspiration and a real joy to talk with. So I hope you find this podcast also enjoyable. So here is Laura BC. Laura BC. Yes. <laughs> I'm not going to try and pronounce your last name, but... um. No you are known as Laura BC. So yeah. Very warm welcome to, yeah. to the Mood Podcast. Thank it's you. Been, I've been trying to hound you for a few weeks now since you moved to <laughs> Bali. So apologies for that, but I'm really happy that you came on. So, so thank you. Thank I'm going to start kind of as an introductory question, which, which will help you just kind of tell everyone who you are and what you do essentially. The question is, how would you normally describe yourself? Oh, that's very hard. <laughs> um, well, I'm a photographer. Obviously, um, it started everything as a hobby, I think, like all of us. But then I moved to London and I started to grow as a photographer there. And how I describe myself maybe as a versatile human being, <laughs> because, um, yeah, I went to London just pursuing photography. And then I started to grow as a photographer there, finding my niche and trying different um, photography categories, different jobs, obviously, to pay my bills in London. While I was doing photography on a side and I went through everything till I found out my niche. Now I can describe myself, I guess, as an artist, photographer. I love taking press shots from music artists, but I still do other kind of photography. Reason why I came to Bali as well to pursue travel photography and creative portrait photography by nature because I was shooting a lot in a studio. Um, so, yeah, I guess I describe myself as an artist, um, photographer and creative director as well. Cool. What if you could be known for one thing? What mm. would that be? And that's a horrible question because it's a horrible question. I'm going to pigeonhole you. Um, yeah. What What would that be? What is your 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 biggest passion? Wow. Creativity and freedom. Freedom for me is very related to photography as well. It's one of the reasons why I came here because I was stuck creatively in London. Because I was doing one thing all the time that I love, shooting with artists. But for me, photography and creativity goes farther than that. So, yeah, I need to feel freedom creatively to be able to do other things and expand my creativity. Love it. So, yeah. 
Okay, rewind. Why photography? What, what what was the what were you doing before, and then what was the kind yeah. of the thing that triggered this yeah. this passion? For photography? That's crazy, actually, because um, I started fifteen years ago. My parents love photography as a hobby, so they do it as a hobby. And they were telling me, ah, "Come with us to take photos." It's like, no, I don't want to take photos. I didn't feel attraction for photography, and um, it's like, "Ah, come with us, come with us, come with us." So once I went to the beach in Sopelana, Basque Country to take surf photography, action shots of people surfing there. And I had a very bad camera, but then my dad offered me his camera, a Canon 30D, <laughs> and I was very lazy to change lenses. It's like, no, I will never get into photography. I'm very lazy to change lenses and stuff. But in the end, I, I, I bought a compact camera. It's like, okay, I'm going to start shooting because I like surf photography. I lasted one week with a compact camera, and I said to my mom, it's like, I want a DSLR. I'm a mom, I told you, you threw the money away, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and then I got addicted to photography. And there is something when you shoot and then you want to improve that photo. I don't know. It, it was weird. I wasn't attracted, but then I took some photos and they weren't bad. And then I wanted to get better. So I got competitive with myself. And that's how I started. And I was doing surf photography. I was going every morning to, you know, to see people surfing, action shots. And then, yeah, that's how everything started. Just being competitive with myself and get better at photography. But the beginning, I wasn't attracted to it. My mom was like pushing me, ah, try, try, try. And then now I'm a professional photographer and my parents, they don't, they barely do it now. What do they think of it now? I mean, they must be very proud, obviously. But... Well, this is a very long story. Okay. <laughs> this is a very long story. Um, now they are proud because I made it. Okay. But they gave me so much crap for 11 years for pursuing photography. Because, 11 years? Yeah. Only 11 years in London. They never believed on me as a photographer because obviously in Spain it's very hard to get photography jobs unless you live in Madrid or Barcelona in a more creative place. So for them, photography is a hobby. It's a hobby. That's it. You cannot make a living out of photography. So they hated me for that. I know it's not in a bad way. They love me and they want me to have a job and, you know, have a home in the future. So they didn't do it in a bad way. But um, yeah, it was very, very, very hard to push through because I didn't have the, their support. I don't hate them for that. <laughs> I told to them about this topic today, but it was very hard, to be honest. Yeah. And they were the ones putting me on photography as a hobby. They never thought I would love it so much that I would leave home. <laughs> That's why they hated me, obviously, in a selfish way, because they love me and they don't want me far away. So I was the only one in the family who left my country to pursue my dreams as a photographer. And they were the ones putting me in photography, but they never expected that I wanted to pursue it professionally because I actually studied graphic design. So I was meant to be a graphic designer. And my parents wanted me to be a graphic designer because it's what I studied. But then for me, photography was more fulfilling. So yeah. Amazing. Then, yeah. Well, what an inspiration. What do you think that um probably I, I mean obviously I don't know your parents but the, yeah. that essentially that lack of support did you yeah. do you think that drove you even more to succeed? Yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I was so angry in a way. Yeah. I mean I cried a lot. London was very hard. I mean, I left uh, I Spain. Imagine. Yeah, I left Spain. I didn't have money. I didn't know anyone in London. I was sleeping in a hostel room with 15 people. I couldn't speak English. I was taking notes to call the bank to open an account because I had no idea about anything. So I wanted to do it, but I was terrified. And my parents didn't support me neither. So it's like, I need a bit of support from someone because obviously I'm alone on this, you know, but I never had it. Obviously, I know if something happened, my parents are there. 
bout of ego and pride. I never asked them anything. And I love that because, to be honest, it made me stronger. But I know my parents are there if I need it. They are not bad, just the opposite. Do you need anything? But if I need something, it's giving them the reason. So I'm just like, no, I'm fine. So yeah, it, it did help me, but it was very hard as well on me because um, it's a very lonely road when you are creative and you don't have people around you who is fighting for the same thing. I, I was very lonely with that. It's like nobody believed on me, just myself. I was trying to make it, to make it, to make it, working on a site when I was having a full-time job in London. Tremendously exhausting as well. Uh, so many problems. I was homeless for a while in London. <laughs> so many things happened and I kept pushing, pushing, pushing. And yeah, and I never have this moral support from anyone till I met my friends in London. Like they are like my family and they cherish me every single day, which is amazing. But the beginning when I was more lonely, like it was very hard because I didn't have the support. But yeah, out of pride, it did help me because like now I'm going to show you <laughs> that I can do it, you know? And even when I was making it happen, there would be still like, Ah, you know, um, we have a saying in Spanish, uh, pan para hoy, hambre para mañana, which means bread for today, you will be starving tomorrow. Like freelance, right? You right. can have a lot of income one month and the month after you have no clients. That's the beauty of it as well. But yeah, they, they are very old school. It's normal. In Spain, everyone has a job, nine to five, you make your money, you retire at 65. You know, it's a very common way of living in Europe in general. So I don't blame them at all, at all. It's normal. It's what they know. They were just scared of me not being able to, you know, to have an income in the future. Now they are very happy with me and they support me and they watch all my YouTube videos and they press like and comment. Now they, they love it, you know, and they are proud because it's like, we didn't support you. Like uh, we didn't believe and look at you now in freaking Bali. <laughs> so yeah, but it was hard. It was very hard. And they should be very proud. Yeah. Um, I feel like that is actually quite a common occurrence where the older generation trying to understand something that's more of a newer generation, certainly when you throw in social media, YouTube, vlogging, all that kind of stuff. They, yeah. It's so difficult for them to understand. Photography, Very. a little bit surprised with that, I guess. But what is not normal, or normal, but not you don't hear about as much is someone like yourself who doesn't speak English, <laughs> going from one European country to, to London <laughs> and yeah. throwing yourself quite literally in the deep end. Why? Yeah. What was it about London? What? Why go to London? <laughs> what, what was that thought process? It's about? very funny. That's why I don't know. My life has been crazy because actually, um, I knew when I was 18 years old, I wanted to leave my country just out of the blue. It's like I want to learn English. Like I want to be able to speak English because it's the international language. I want adventures in my life. I don't want to conform myself being in this box in a small town and, and that's it. I wanted to know more. But I always say to myself, I will never live in a place with no sea because I love the ocean. Like I, I need it. So it's like, I'm going to go to California. Yes, California, you know. <laughs> I'm sorry, how old were you at this point? I was uh, 18 years old. Okay. But, but I came way later to London. I think I was 24 or something. So it's like, I want to go to California. It's sunny all year, you know, like I can learn English there, but obviously it's super difficult because you need to get a visa, blah, blah, blah. And my mom told me, La Laura, like, you don't even know how to speak English. Don't go to California. Come closer and you try and then who knows? And then just out of the blue, I chose London just because it was close enough. London, obviously, there is a lot of creative, uh, you know. So, yes, I, I chose London, but I've never been there before. 
So I never even wow. went as a tourist. I just appeared That's there. Insane. Yeah, with my camera bag, <laughs> two suitcases, going to King's Cross to a hostel, and that's it. It's like my first time in London. I'm I'm moving here, so it was crazy. That's unbelievable. <laughs> yeah, I, I, but, did, had you had a job before then? So you're 24, so I guess you'd been working. Before yeah, I was then. working in the Basque Country for the Basque government. Okay, so you had some job. savings at least that you would, took with you, or some type of. I had literally I don't mind to talk about money. I had literally, I think. Um, and I will tell you why I had that money. <laughs> I had literally like 4,000 euros saved. Wow. Which is not much to be in London, wow, obviously. No, goodness, no way. Yeah, I was very positive. That's like two coffees. Yeah, in <laughs> London, yes. Nowadays, yes. <laughs> yeah, so, um, yeah, the money was because I had a car accident. It wasn't my fault. A truck didn't see me and it hit me. And yeah, it was very messy. So they gave me some money. And it's like, okay, the universe is providing something at least. So yeah, I had that. But to be honest, I I really trusted my capabilities to find a job because I didn't mind to work in hospitality or whatever. I just needed a job and that's it. And I was working in Preta Manger at the beginning. Oh, cool. Okay. Yeah. After three weeks, I found a job. I couldn't speak a word. It was the worst job I've ever had in my life. Oh, Not because of what I was doing, because I don't mind to, you know, to make whatever I had to do. But... Um, People were very rough with me and I couldn't defend myself because I couldn't speak English. Well, London is not exactly the most it friendly was city. Bad. Right? Yeah. It's like, plus everyone who was taking the piss, they were foreigners as well. It's like, why are you so mean to me when you started the same way? <laughs> you know? But I couldn't defend myself. So it was. Crazy. Was that in South London where you first moved to? Uh, no, I was in Bethnal Green okay. in East London and okay. I was working in Kentish Town. And I was waking up at three in the morning every day in freaking winter. Because From Bethnal Green to Kensington. To uh, Kentish Town. Kentish oh, Town. Kentish Town. In North. Oh, okay. Yeah. Sorry. Okay. So, and there was no tube at that time. So I had to take the bus at three in the morning to make it at five in the morning in Kentish Town. Every single day. It was so cold in the middle of winter. I was like, what the hell am I doing here? For those that are watching crazy. and listening don't know, haven't been to London, um, yeah. or just the UK generally. Yeah. At this time of year, it gets dark <laughs> at 4, 4.15. It's obviously very cold, very wet, yeah. very grey and pretty miserable. I was Compared miserable. to Basque, Basque country where it's a yeah. little bit nicer. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, the world needs more people like you who are, I think are willing to just throw themselves in time, and yeah. just do whatever it takes. Tell us a little bit about your your beginnings there in London and photography specifically. So okay. your first kind of jobs, how you started hustling, what kind of jobs you had and kind of how that evolved over the first year, two years. Yeah. So, um, well, when I arrived, obviously it was everything about paying bills. Because London, it's crazy. So I was just having different jobs. I was in Pretamanger. Then I put myself into fashion. So I was working as a fashion stylist. And I was very ambitious already because it's like, okay, I'm working in this shop, which is more like high street. And then I went to the luxury sector, which was very good. I enjoyed it because I love fashion. And then I started to work on a site as a photographer. And everything started actually because I love music, the music industry, and I love going out and have fun and obviously run away from my crazy life in London. It was very stressful. And I started to go out a lot and meet people. So then I started to shoot in events. So in parties and stuff, in clubs. So I was shooting at events. And then I started to meet very like a lot of promoters and DJs. And I started with portrait photography a little bit. So then people started to ask me for press shots for artists. It's like, okay. okay. And that's a bit how I started because I knew I, I love portrait photography, but I never thought about shooting with artists. And then, yeah, I love the music scene. I love shooting with artists. And that's how I started to shoot with artists because I was shooting in events. And then I put myself as well into fashion photography 
because being in the fashion industry for so long, I met people and they needed photo shoots for the independent brands. So I was doing fashion shoots. I was doing product photography as well. I was doing a bit of everything because when you start, you don't have enough clients. I was still working in retail full time. So in my spare time, I was doing my best, mm -hmm. charging peanuts <laughs> because for me, it's like, oh, it's my hobby. It's good enough. Till then, it's like, no, if I want to make it happen, I have to start charging. And yeah, I started to grow and find my niche that, that way. And actually, one of the reasons why I love shooting with artists of any kind is because of the story I told you about how I started, because I really admired every creative who pursued their dreams, regardless of external voices. Like, everyone has that in the family. I want to become a photographer or a dancer, a writer. People tell you, ah, you cannot make it. It's very hard. So people making it happen. That's why I love shooting with artists, because I feel proud of them. Like, I feel proud of myself for not listening and making it happen. So yeah, I shoot a lot with music artists or actors, singers, writers. I love shooting with creatives in general. And now it's what I love the most doing. And I don't do much of product photography or even fashion shoots. I don't do that much anymore. I don't do that much anymore. So. so it sounds like the the portrait photography and specifically with artists is because you want, you almost like have an empathetic voice yeah. with that subject. Yeah, a lot. And I love it. And I love music, obviously. So for me, the challenge when I shoot with artists, not challenge, but um, the creativity I find there is actually listening to their music because I love music so much. So I really listen. It's like, okay, it's colorful music or summer vibes music or dark music. And I try with lighting and the way I shoot with them to represent their music. And I, I love it. And I love it. They tell me maybe roughly what they want, but normally they come to me and they tell me, I love your work because you play with shadows, with RGB lights, colors, and for artists, it's perfect, the style of photography. So yeah, I think that's why I love it because creatively it gives me so much rather than just shooting a headshot, for instance, like, a, I don't know, a normal headshot. For me, it's boring. I don't enjoy that because it's just technicality. That's it. But when you can be creative and they tell you, because it's always like this, the DJ comes and it's like, okay, I want this. I prepare a mood board and stuff. And for me, it's so much creativity. I can do whatever I want. So yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> can you offer some, like, I know we don't talk too much about technical stuff, but some yeah. specific tips when you're connecting, let's say you, like you said, and this is really interesting to me, you listen to some music or you listen to an yeah. artist that you know you're going to shoot. How do you play with the technical aspects of creative portraiture, like lighting or settings on your camera, composition, all that stuff? Yeah. In terms of, relating it to a specific style or type of music if it's dark then would you focus on something like shadows a lot or mm -hmm. can you can you give the viewers maybe an example of what yeah. you might do yeah so um okay there is i mean i shot so many different artists like very i don't know commercial music or even a latin grammy award winning composer he works with kylie minogue and so very different artists but i listen to the music and many times maybe i don't know a dj and producer he produced something very minimal and what I consider a bit dark. So I like to play a lot with shadows, maybe hiding half of the face, black backdrop. I play with clothing a lot. For me, it's super important. Uh, it helps. Like I was a stylist. So I always ask them to bring this, this and that because depending on the lighting, I need them to wear something else. And I like moody portrait photography for dark music, for instance. So I play a lot with shadows. They are wearing dark clothing. I kind of hide their identity a little bit. Um, sometimes I play with light as well. Maybe harsh lights like red when it's dark. 
And then for more commercial music, for instance, one of the last uh, artists I was shooting for, he does this kind of pop ambient music, which is very different. So I bought a projector and I projected some mappings, very colorful ones, in the wall with white backdrop because it's more light. It has to be, you know, he, I love dark, but I cannot put, you know, I cannot shoot in a dark way with him because his music is very light. So I bought a projector and I was using mappings on him, very colorful ones, and I use white. I also use black, but always using a lot of colors. And uh, the projection, the mappings, because they move, I always try to stop the mapping in the colors. I think it matches the music. It's so weird. I don't know. Um, I think so many years in the music industry in London, I really know how to listen to music. I mean, in my own way, but normally artists, they are very happy with what I do. It's like, yeah, like you exactly did it how I wanted, like very colorful and very light because my music is light. And that was challenging for me because I love dark and black backdrop and shadows. But this artist was the completely opposite. But he was very happy with the photos. Why yeah. do you think you love dark? I don't know. Maybe I have a dark uh, side. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I just feel like... so. When I, I, look, I do as well, by the way. I'm not yeah. judging at all. Yeah, I yeah, love that style. Yeah. But there's got to be something yeah. in here that emanates that. Yeah, I think uh, the reason as well I love shooting with artists is because Obviously, you can play with darkness, with shadows and everything. And then I was seeing in London, like other photographers shooting with artists. And I didn't like the photos. They were like normal headshots or very bright or very cheesy, which it's fine. It's their style. But it's like, I don't like that. Like an artist, for me, it has to be when you look at the portrait, it has to be impactful. And actually, artists come to me. It's like all the photos you have from artists, they look like such a big artist because they're posing very serious profiles you play with the shadows and i really like to show the power of a person the strong side of a person if for example you shoot an artist and he's laughing and grabbing the neckline or these kind of cheesy poses like doesn't Sissy, match i love it <laughs> yeah it's like it doesn't match the music you're not gonna pose a techno dj or minimal dj like doing that i like seriousness like represent the artistic side of the person and look serious so I don't know, since then, I, I don't know. I just like playing with shadows because shadows um, allow me to represent that side. If it's very light, it's harder to represent a serious photo. But when you play with shadows and you hide parts and you insinuate, because many times as well, I shoot with artists and in some photos, you don't even see the artist. It's maybe a profile and it's, or maybe the back with a hoodie. And I love that, like, People can see, if people know the artist, people know which artist it is. You don't need to show the whole face. Yeah. I don't know. I just love it. <laughs> I love it too. I think for me, shadows, playing with shadows gives you more depth. Yeah. And humans are extremely deep and complex characters, whether you're shooting for as an artist commercially or you're shooting yeah. on a personal, you know, just a friend or a client for a personal photo. Yeah. Like if you're going to represent that, Obviously, everyone has their style, but you have to be able to go deeper. Into yeah, it. I love it. And that's why lighting is amazing. Yeah. You know, that's why it makes photography, because you yeah. can literally express emotions just through lighting. Mm -hmm. And then all the rest of it as well. But yeah. get the light right. The light. Sh shadows, light, yeah. um, contrast, essentially, then that's everything. Yeah, it's crazy. So when you first started in London, you're living in a hostel. Um, <laughs> yeah. Do you, are you able to share like how much kind of uh, monthly overheads you had to cover in terms of jobs? A few hundred pounds few thousand wow, pounds i can't even remember because um it was very messy because i was in a hostel with 15 people it was very cheap actually i don't know if it was 20 quid per night or something 
it was extremely cheap because it was like a backpackers hostel. And this was 11 years ago when London was a bit cheaper in that time. Um, so I was in a hostel room with 15 people to don't pay much. And then I was sharing flats. This is the most normal thing in London. It's impossible to afford a flat for yourself. Apartments, yeah. Yeah. So I can't remember how much. I wasn't spending much because I was very careful. I didn't have a job at the beginning, the first few weeks. So I was just covering the hostel room, food enough, <laughs> you know, <laughs> to survive because I didn't know when I would get a job. And I didn't want to come back to Spain and say to my parents, ah, you were right. <laughs> didn't you get any free food at Prado Exactly. Yeah, they did. Oh, they did? Okay. <laughs> they did. So I was very happy. Awesome. I was having free meals, yeah. but I was putting on weight a lot because <laughs> sandwiches and a lot of carbs. <laughs> it's like, okay, I need to get out of here. Um, but yeah, I was very careful with my expenses. And then I found a flat, but to save more money, I was sharing the room with another guy, a Spanish guy I didn't even know. Obviously, different beds and stuff. And it, was, it wasn't a bad experience, but obviously he was playing PlayStation till one in the morning and I had to wake up at three in the morning to go all the way to Kentish Town. So I wasn't paying too much because the room, I think it was like 500 quid and obviously between two, 250. So I was okay, cutting expensive. Yeah. I, yeah, I was trying to survive. And then when I was having more income, a room for myself, <laughs> then another flat, like I was going because the flats in London are Insane. Great. Oh my God, so bad. Well, and so expensive. Electric, utilities, everything. transport, yeah, food, everything. Till I made it to live alone, it took me a while. How long? Uh, to live alone, I think six years or so. Wow. So I was selling flats all the time. Grinding for that long. A lot. And uh, obviously, you know, when you're a creative, you really appreciate solitude. <laughs> and for me, selling flat, it was terrible. I mean, I didn't have very bad experiences, to be honest. But obviously, you don't have privacy. Then... I had like a living room where I started to shoot with music artists that was bringing people to my place and asking permission to my flatmates and stuff to be able to shoot there. That's how I started. I was shooting in a room in, in a flat share. So you couldn't afford anything in London. I didn't have the money. So so when did, I mean, because I found you on YouTube originally, yeah. probably about a year ago. Um, when did that come into the, I guess, the business portfolio? Or did it did that just start as a hobby as well? Or was it like, okay, this is... This is going to be part of my job now, essentially. Yeah. So at the beginning, well, I knew I wanted to be a photographer, but as a, every beginner has the same problem. You don't know which niche you want to shoot. So I was just experimenting. As you said, it was as a hobby. I was charging very little. And actually people started to come to me on parties. It's like, ah, uh, your photos are amazing because we never believe in our work. So I was very critical. I never thought I could charge or charge more. But then I started to believe it when everyone was telling me, your photography is amazing. Ah, thank you. And I was so humble because for me, it was just a hobby and it was very hard to make it. But then I started to have more clients and I was charging, as I told you, very little. And this happened, this is when I opened my eyes. One of my clients, who is a huge DJ now and producer, like he's doing very well. I remember he told me, La Laura, this other DJ, um, he, uh, he paid, I think it was like three grand for his press shots. And it's like, Laura, your photography is better than that photographer. And you are charging me, I don't mind to talk about money. It's like, and you are charging me 250 quid. When a client tells you, like, you are charging peanuts, that's a problem. And since then, I got so upset wow. with myself. Yeah, it's like, oh, my God. Like, actually, there are photographers. And I saw the photographer. It's like, his photography is very average. And he's charging three grand. And I'm charging 250 quid. So then is when I was, like, more proud of my work. It's like, if I want to make it happen, it's like, I'm going to charge double. And actually, when I started to charge double, people started to respect me more because people can smell 
can smell your need to make money with photography. And when I was selling 250, I would get still clients telling me, I can you do for 150? And I was like, oh, maybe, you know, because obviously you want to make it. But then I realized, no, you want to make it, you have to charge more. And I started to charge more. And now my clients are, okay, it's maybe expensive or I cannot afford it, but I'm going to save money and come back to you. And that's the goal as a photographer, people who want to shoot with you, not someone who is, ah, charge me 150. You have to think about your gear, your editing software is so many expenses and travel expenses in London as well. I will be losing money if I charge 150 quid. Mm -hmm. So yes, yeah, since then I realized if I want to make it, I have to charge more. And actually because I was having a lot of bookings with artists and I loved it so much because I have creative freedom. It's like, okay, I'm going to pursue this. And yeah, and then I started to grow. And then when I was charging more, people were respecting it. Because by then, because I was shooting out with artists, um, I already had a portfolio. So I had my website and then people could see it. And I didn't, I didn't do too much marketing either. By then, I didn't even know how to do it. People would come to me. I did a lot of network going out because people yeah. knew me. And so it was very easy for me. And people came to me because they like my work, which makes things easier. Because you don't have problems with clients. People come, I love your work. Great. And since then, I enjoy a lot working for myself because I know people allow me to do whatever I want and they are happy with it. Yeah. So when did when did YouTube come in? Was that? Oh, this is interesting as well. Okay. Yeah. So this was during the pandemic, the YouTube channel. Uh, okay. So I was with my ex and I, I left London. I was living outside London, close to Derby. And in Derby? Yeah, okay. in Madlock, yeah. like in the middle of nowhere. Love, right? <laughs> and I was super worried. It's like, oh, I'm going to make money now here. And he was like, ah, we'll take you to London, blah, blah, blah. Didn't happen <laughs> too often. Um, so yeah, then the pandemic hit and I was pretty sad there. Like I was struggling with my mental health because I complain about London, but London gave me so much and I love the craziness. I'm extremes. So um, the pandemic hit and I was like, okay, who I'm going to make money now? Because I broke up with him and then I came back to London. And it's like, who oh, I'm going to make money now that I cannot shoot with people because of the quarantines, mm -hmm. the lockdowns mm -hmm. and everything. So it's when I started to do product photography to okay. be able to have an income. People would send me the products and stuff. Um, but yeah, I, I started my channel. It's like, I wanted freedom. That's the reason why I made it and I'm here now. Because I realized, depending on client work, I would struggle. And I didn't want to struggle. And during the pandemic, it's like, I want to be able to earn money. And, and that's it with my camera. But now with my camera, I can make money if I have clients and I couldn't have clients. So it's like, okay, how I'm going to monetize my skills online to be able to pursue that freedom. And I always thought about that YouTube channel years and years and years ago. And I didn't want to put myself in front of a camera ever. And suddenly, I don't know, something clicked. It's like, no, I need to do something when I was still outside of London. And I started the channel there and I didn't have views. Like it was so much work, no views, but every single week, every single week, every single week educating and sharing my story as a beginner who I started in London. And, and yeah, and the channel started to grow. But everything started because of the pandemic and how I saw myself lacking clients. It's like, oh, I'm going to shoot portrait photography if we are in a lockdown. I realized how powerless I was with my camera. So yeah. it's like, okay, let's do YouTube. Let's try to grow it. So then as well, this is a big thing. I wanted to have a YouTube channel so then I can choose my clients. Because creatively... Um, time ago, I used to take so many jobs, no? Food photography, even I did. Like, I don't enjoy it, but it was money. So now I, I can afford 
to be okay, I just shoot with artists, which mm -hmm. is what I love the most doing. Mm -hmm. I don't need to do this gig because I have the income online. And creatively super important because as a photographer, I'm sure you know, like if you are forced to do something you don't like to do, even if it's with a camera, it kills your creativity a little bit. Um, it's very really? dangerous. It's very dangerous because when it becomes your job, it's very dangerous. You have to be careful of what you should to don't, you know. How can you impart advice then to beginners who are who need to pay the bills, right? I mean, it's such a yeah. difficult trade-off. Like, I've got to pay the bills, but I don't want to lose the passion for what I'm doing. And yeah. I want to do my own stuff and I want to do my own photos and yeah. projects and stuff. I mean, where do you start as a beginner? I mean, how do you balance that? You don't balance it. <laughs> I, was, <laughs> I was all over the place. I was food photography, product photography, one event at night on a Friday in a club somewhere in the middle of nowhere. Everything. And on my channel, actually, I encourage everyone to do everything because having versatility is going to save you as a photographer. Because at the beginning, you don't have, maybe people don't know you. You don't have enough bookings or what you want. So don't be picky. Just take on board everything that comes your way because you're going to learn a lot because I did that way. For example, during the pandemic, because I couldn't make money and my YouTube channel, it was a baby channel by then, um, I started to shoot product photography. So if I wouldn't have known how to shoot product, I wouldn't have survived in London when I came back in the middle of the lockdowns. So people were sending me the products and I was shooting that. If I would have been stubborn and I would be, no, I just shoot portrait. I would be like, okay, yeah, how do you make money now? So I encourage everyone as a beginner to try every single niche and try to be versatile because that's the way you're going to find your niche as well by trying many of them. And always is going to be one where you're going to be like, oh my God, I love this photo. I want to get better at this. And it happens naturally. I think at, at the beginning, when you're a beginner, you struggle a lot to try to find your niche, but you cannot decide a niche till you shoot within many. And I did. I did travel. I did product. I did events. I did food photography. I touched everything. And you learn a lot. And then you find your way without even realizing it. I think it's great. Yeah. A lot of people, I think, will, will worry so much. And we talked about this off air, but worry so much about what, what style should I have and what yeah. niche should I go into and you know it's kind of overwhelming overthinking as well I mean is that the most popular question you get yeah and I and I can relate completely I used to journal a lot um I will come back to it because I think it's very good and I was all the time writing these questions what uh, what which niche should I choose uh, what do I like to shoot the most and then I have a massive list I love travel photography I love artist photography I, lo I love so many niches it's like why the hell I have to choose one so, but then you see all the advices from big photographers, niche down, niche down. It's like, I don't want to niche down. So, yeah, I think it's better to don't overthink when you're a beginner and just find out by yourself because they, social media is very damaging in that way because you get influenced by many people and, and then you are not listening to yourself. You are listening to others. So many times on my videos, I say, it's like, don't listen to me if your situation is different. I'm telling you my experience so it can help you to understand yours. But yeah, I struggle a lot with my niche because I just didn't want to focus on one. So yeah, you will find it. With your YouTube journey, um, wh why the education side? Well, basically because of how much I struggle in London uh, and how alone I was, what I told you before about my family. I know how hard it is and how lonely it is when you want to pick a camera and you want to shoot and everyone is looking at you like, what the hell are you doing? You know, like it's a hobby. Like you're not going to make it. It's very hard. There are amazing photographers out there like my dad. Ah, you're going to London. There are incredible photographers, blah, blah, blah. And it's true. 
but there is also a lot of work, you know, so there is a space for everyone. So I felt so alone. And by then we didn't have YouTube or things like that. Like when I started 15 years ago, there was nothing. Just me, my camera and messing up every time to learn. There was no Peter McKinnon and all these big photographers to teach you anything. So it's like, I just want to teach what I know and share my experience and in a way try to support people. And this is something I do a lot because I didn't have the support. Like even if I'm a stranger for them, because obviously they don't know me personally, but I received so many messages and emails, very thankful because it's like you really inspire me and motivate me sharing your experience because my husband is saying I'm too old for this or my kids are telling me I'm crazy. So many people have those voices there and I've been there. So for me, it's like I'm going to educate people how I started in London and how you can make it happen because I had nothing in London. No the language, no people, no job. Like I didn't know anyone. I didn't have a studio. I was shooting in my freaking bedroom. <laughs> so it's like, you can make it happen because people think, okay, I want to become a photographer. I had to rent a massive space, buy a million lights. And they see it's very impossible like to achieve. But that's why it's my experience. It's like, guys, I started in a bedroom with one light, a very affordable one. And then you grow little by little. But people see these big photographers and they think like they have to jump right away to that state. So I don't know, just because of that, I wanted to help other creatives because I didn't have any help and I know how hard it was for me. So do you believe that anyone can do it? No, I mean, I will say if you really want to, yes. Sorry, like many people, so many people get stuck in their own head. Ah, because it's for you, is it easy to say? It's like, no, it's not freaking easy to say. <laughs> like, I didn't know even the language when I arrived to London. And I ended up being a creative director of a fashion company for a millionaire family in Chelsea. I started making sandwiches in Preta Manjera three in the morning <laughs> with no Great English. Sandwiches, by the way. Yeah, exactly. So it's like, I'm not saying like, uh, I'm, not, I'm not saying this to be like, uh, yeah, I'm proud of myself. But it's like, how much do you want it? You know, like uh, I know for some people it's easier than others, depending on which country are they living. But for me, it's like, okay, I didn't have photography job in Spain. I left to London. You know, for me, it's like you have to find yourself. I don't know how to explain. If you are free, like you can do whatever you want in life. And now it's so accessible for everyone. I think it's never been easier. Yeah. I think it's so lucky. You have a, you have a phone now that you can start being a photographer on your phone yeah. and make money from it. Yeah. Fact. And you have free courses, YouTube. Oh, like free. Yeah. So free. When I started, there was oh, nothing free. Yeah. Like, it's like now it's way easier than when I started. Yeah. And if I made it, they can as well. But with that, I think brings a lot of people who don't, who want it, but don't like really fucking yeah. want it. I mean, yeah. with you, it's obvious. Like you, you moved countries, learned you like, and worked 24 seven for how many yeah. years yeah. because you just wanted it. Yeah. So I think that's important to, to provide context. Like, yeah, I, I believe anyone can do it if they really want to yeah. do it. Right. Yeah, and you that's the same with a lot of things, but yeah. people do see people on social media or on YouTube and go, oh yeah, I can do that. Oh, I want to yeah. do that. And then they, you know, a couple of months and they fall that's, by the wayside. Yeah. But you've you just got to really want to do it and, and want to enjoy that process. Yeah. Otherwise you're never going to make it. It's like YouTube. So many people, people think like you're going to post a video and it's going to go viral and you're going to make it happen. No, I've been posting videos every single week with no views. And it's so much work and I didn't have views. Oh, I know that feeling. Yeah. yeah. All week working like yeah. crazy and then 10 views. Yeah. And you're All like, that okay. <laughs> work and effort into yeah. the production. And, but yeah. at the same time, you're learning about yourself, how to do yeah. things. Exactly. And you learn. 
Hi, everyone. Before I let you continue with the podcast, just indulge me for a few minutes. I want to briefly talk to you about my new brand, Yore. Founded with my business partner and photographic artist, Finn Matson, we are proud to bring you a new artisanal jewelry and specialty coffee brand. Yep. What on earth do they have to do with anything? Well, they're both our passions and they've always been another artistic outlet for me now for over a decade. For those that know me, Coffee and jewelry have been my other obsession since I was young, and I am a qualified SEA coffee specialist. So when I met Finn, some of you might have listened to my podcast with him when we barely knew each other, our love for art and jewelry had a home, and that home is Yore. Yore is about the art of intent for everything that we do. Our intention with the label was to add a touch of celestial elegance and artistic expression to our visual narratives. Every piece is a statement a reflection of your unique story and purpose. It's not just jewelry, it's a wearable piece of art that speaks volumes. Picture this, silver or gold adorned with an actual piece of lunar meteorite, making every piece as unique as the moments we usually capture through our lenses. From limited edition lunar jewelry pieces to finely crafted 925 sterling silver and gold rings, pendants and chains, there's something for all of you in each of our unique designs. We're also committed to the environment as much as possible. Our coffee in our barley showroom is direct trade, organically produced and locally farmed, minimizing impact on the environment as much as possible. Our packaging is all sustainable and our jewelry recycled, other than the moon rock, of course. Proudly eco-friendly in both packaging and jewelry production, you can feel good about looking good. And to top it off, we offer worldwide shipping, ensuring that a piece of lunar beauty can grace your collection no matter where life takes you. And if you ever find yourself in Bali, please come and visit our House of Yore. Our cafe and community-driven art house is a haven for creatives just like you. And before we head back into the podcast, please just take a moment to explore Yore's collection. As a special treat for you, my wonderful audience, Yore is offering an exclusive discount. So head over to our website and use the code in the description for a 10% discount off your jewelry purchase. The link and details are all in the description. So thanks so much for listening and I'll let you get back to the podcast. Tell us how you have grown. I mean, you're nearly 100,000 subscribers, which yeah, is going to be I'm amazing. Happy. <laughs> I'm <very> happy. Um, <laughs> How have you grown, in your opinion? Why do people follow you? Why do people subscribe yeah. to, to Laura BC? Um, so at the beginning, I was very bad on camera. I consider that. People say, no, you were good. I was terrible. But then when I started to relax a little more, um, be more genuine, I guess, because there are so many YouTubers, there are two states. I teach ABC and that's it. But when I started to open up about my story, we've been talking about now, um, people started to relate more. So people loved that I shared my beginnings. I think too many people are so imperfection all the time. So people can feel discouraged. It's like, okay, how I get there? But I saw them actually during the pandemic, I did a video, super genuine. It's like, guys, I'm going to show you how to do a home photography studio with an Ikea curtain pole <laughs> and one backdrop and one light, you know, and people started to subscribe a lot because that's how I started in London, like in a mini studio I had. I did that hack and I started to shoot with artists there. So people started to see on me. It's like, okay, this is not, you know, trying to be like, oh, she's perfect all the time. I achieved this. I have this studio. No, it's like, listen, guys, like if you're a beginner, 
this is how I started and I made it happen. You can too. So I think people subscribe to my channel, first of all, because I teach a lot of the things people don't teach, which is actually how you get your first client, how you lose the fear to shoot, because many people are so terrified of shooting portrait photography, which is normal because you have to be a bit of an extrovert as well. So I talk about these things people don't cover. People are amazing out there, but they teach maybe technicalities, or which is great. But many people have other problems, which is like how I lead someone in a photo shoot, how I lose the fear, how much do I charge, or when do I start to charge? All these questions I had as a beginner is where I started to teach, and people are relating to me. And actually I teach this because I never found that information anywhere. How much should I charge? Or Especially with the charging one, because yeah. I really struggled with that. No yeah. one could tell me a definitive answer. And yeah. I know there's not a definitive answer. Not, it depends yeah. on so many things. Let's hone in on that quickly, yeah. because if there's any takeaway I think beginners can take away, mm. is where do, where do I even begin with charging clients yeah. photography? <laughs> Go. Wow. Actually, I'm working on a course. And I know you've got video. Okay. Yeah, okay. I'm working on uh, a course. I know course. you've got YouTube videos about it because yes. I've watched them. But I will say the main thing, obviously, because when people ask me, Laura, how much do I charge? It's like, are you serious? Like, how the hell am I going to yep. price your work? Okay. Some general bits of advice. Yeah. So. Like, there is a lot of points. That's why I was doing this course because I want to help many people because I struggled with that a lot. It's like, how much do I charge? And then I was charging 150 pounds and you lose money charging that. So the main thing would be, first of all, if you are a beginner, you're going to have to be realistic with the quality of your photography because otherwise you're never going to know how much to charge. Then another advice is check maybe people around you, studios or other photographers, how much do they charge? Because in London, for example, we get paid more than in Spain. So you always have to match the prices in your area. So I always give the advice. It's like, okay, maybe check photographers around how much they charge. Check their quality and compare yourself to them a little bit. So be very uh, objective and maybe ask family or friends how your photography is, if it matches the other photographer, and then charge accordingly. But then there are so many factors, like, for example, the client. I don't charge the same to every client. Because, for example, as I said, I, I'm an empath and more with artists. So when it's a local artist, like a young artist, uh, you know, like they don't have much budget or stuff, like I... I don't mind to go a bit lower, but when it's a huge artist, it's like, okay, I'm going to charge my normal fee. So it always depends on the client. I work a lot as well with independent brands, fashion brands, and I charge them less than to big brands because I like to help people as well. So there are so many factors, but um, the main one would be checking your area, how much more or less is the photography, and then be honest with your level of photography and maybe go lower. That's a really, that. really good point, actually, to be able to, and th this kind of ties in with critique and accepting feedback. Yeah. So you have, as a beginner, you have, and it's really difficult. I found it very yeah, difficult. Like, it what do you is. mean? What do you it mean is. my photos are shit? I look back at them now. Yeah, yeah they were fucking shit. Yeah. Um, so to be able to receive that feedback yeah. even from either professionals, friends or family, mm -hmm. like I said, that is like stepping stone number one. Yeah. Because then you can kind of place yourself within the industry somewhat. Yes. And then you can start comparing and yeah. then you can start looking at what other kind of similar level photographers yeah. do, right? But do you, do you charge on per project or per hour? Or I, I like depends? per project. Okay. Many people, yeah, you know this, like many people charge per photo, per project or hours. Like for me, I like to over deliver and this is great because all the clients I have, I, I don't look for them. 
I was very busy with my YouTube channel, my private community. It's like right now I don't want clients because I'm already struggling and clients would come to me. Word of mouth. So when you over deliver, people come to you. So what I do is charge for projects, maybe a press shot package. I charge whatever, but then I don't limit the hours of the photo shoot. I know it's going to take maybe two hours, but I tell them if it takes three or four, I don't mind because it's going to be my portfolio as well. Mm -hmm. I want good shots of you. Mm -hmm. I don't limit the outfits. In London, many people, two outfits, no. I want creative freedom. Bring a lot of outfits and we try. So people can see I love photography. So I charge by project and then sometimes I over deliver and, and it works better because you're going to be more comfortable. The model, artist or whoever is not going to feel pressured. So when you say two outfits, two hours, I'm sorry, I cannot work that way. And the other person is going to feel like, okay, I have to pose. I have to get it right because, uh, you know, the time is going to run out. So I like to charge for projects. No, I totally agree. Yeah. yeah it and puts everyone at a bit more of an ease. That's set price. Yeah. Off we go. If it yeah. takes eight hours, it yeah. takes eight hours, it takes two hours. Takes you enjoy that. shooting and you're going to be yeah. enjoying yeah. the whole Get in the flow. And then <laughs> while you're shooting, you think, oh, I thought of something yes. else. Maybe we'll play with this. Yeah. 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 Same. Well, I think talking of over-delivering, because many photographers I sit across from, they always say that. Like yeah. with, with projects, with, cli with client projects, over-deliver because A, you might just have something in the back pocket that if they yeah. want more, you go, oh, actually, I got more. Yes. Here, here you go. <laughs> or you just over-deliver anyway and they're impressed and they will work with you again. Yeah. Right? I think you over-deliver on YouTube as well. I mean, you yeah. look at your videos, like they're <laughs> so full of, they're just full and production quality yeah. is excellent. You get so Thank many points you. across and it's fucking free. Yeah. You know? Yes, it's, I know. It's insane. <laughs> yeah. But that's just the world we live in now. People, yeah. well, what do you mean it's not free? Or what do you, yeah. you know, when an ad comes up, so like, fuck, why have I got watching an ad? Yeah. You know, kind of thing. Oh or, my God, I find that so annoying. It's like, yeah. are you serious? Yeah. Like you complain because I put an ad that you can skip in two seconds. Yeah. And yep. I give you the but, value of a course of £3,000. Yeah. It's like, are you serious? You're not going to support me even watching a freaking out of two seconds? Yeah. It's so unfair because I would love them to see them 15 years ago when I started. We didn't have anything. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah, that's crazy. What is the, the the biggest critique you've had? Let's let's think about YouTube specifically. Mm -hmm. I mean, you yeah. must get lots of comments. I haven't read all your comments, but yeah. there must be some kind of, certainly when you first started, maybe some comments in there you're like, oh, you know, negative comments yeah. or is there anything that come to mind that may have actually helped you in in the long not not yeah. kind of off the cuff shitty comments but maybe yeah. some constructive negative comments yeah. that have helped you or that you you've been proud of to absorb yeah to be honest i'm very lucky because i was oh, expecting yeah, <laughs> yeah i was expecting like more haters because they always say no how do you know you made it on youtube when you have haters yeah. <laughs> always yeah i have a few but they don't bother me but they never know they're also happy with what i do just many people tell me i speak too fast <laughs> that's something i absorb because i know i do that but i cannot change it so i tell them because you can actually slow down on youtube uh, the speed of the video so yeah you can actually put it to play for oh, two okay. or minus think, two, so then people okay. can put me to So you slower. are speaking yes. like this. <laughs> yes. I tell them that. It's like, this is who I am. In Spanish, I speak even faster. It's like, it's very hard for me because in the moment, I don't script. So I script my videos a little bit, but I don't have a teleprompter. So basically, I had to pretend. Oh, I'm, wow. Yeah. I had to pretend the camera is a human being, which is hard enough already. And then I had to remember every single point because it's educational, right? So I don't want to miss any point. So while I'm explaining something, I'm already thinking in the next point to don't forget. So for me, it's already hard enough to focus on that, to actually think as well about my speed. 
when I talk. But that's a very good comment, actually, because yep. I have to pay attention to that. But it's very hard for me to. So, do you memorize the memorize the basic construct of the script and then yeah. ad lib around that? Basically, yeah. yeah. It's I struggle so much. Yeah. Well, I struggle well, so difficult. much. You're, yeah. you're an actor essentially yes. in that respect. Yeah. Right. You're so, acting to the camera. Yeah, yeah. So it's I struggle some people don't tell on my videos, but maybe a video of 10 minutes. I take two hours to record. Oh, tell me about <laughs> like, it. Oh my god, that's yeah. shit and this and that. Yeah. I get so angry and I procrastinate about my videos because I literally suffer in front of the camera. I would love to have a person and talk like I'm talking to you. But when it's the camera, right. the moment you are looking to an object, it's very hard to to be normal. <laughs> it's really weird. You know I, I that. still struggle yeah. with it. Um, yeah. Probably why I don't do so many of the longer form tips and tricks videos. Yeah, but I, you struggle really as well with the camera. I just, I mean, Fee's <laughs> in here a lot of the time helping me, so it, it helps. Okay, yeah. But when I'm on my own, like looking at the camera, it's it's, it's just so weird. weird. I don't know who I'm talking to. Yeah. It's, it's, but it's something I guess eventually you get used to. It sounds yeah. like you haven't yet, but... It, I it, haven't. I mean, I guess I'm better. Everyone says that, but... Yeah. No, I still struggle so much and I suffer so much when I record. Did you style yourself on anyone? Like, you, we'll get on to photography in a minute, but YouTube wise, were there inspirations that you looked at and go, oh, I, you know, I want to build my videos a bit like this. I want to yeah. look like this. Was there any inspirations with to that? To be honest, not specifically. Obviously, I've learned from the big ones, Peter McKinnon and all these people, but I didn't want to be, for example, a big mistake of many new YouTubers is copying. And it's very common, no? Because you think, okay, he made it or oh, she yeah, made he's it. Done, he or she's done yeah. well. I'll... So they copy. You see that a lot. For me, it was like, no, I just want to humbly teach what I know and try to help and see what happens. Obviously, I really wanted to improve my filmmaking skills, B-roll, this, that. So I was watching a lot of tutorials. So I always wanted to, because obviously educational can be quite boring as well, because it's just talking head, talking, talking, talking. And I hate editing that because I find myself boring, even though the other person is taking value. For me, it's freaking boring. It's just me talking. So I always try to record B-roll to try to put B-roll on top. So it's more digestible. Stock footage. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. It's like I'm trying to do something different. I'm still finding my style. That's why now I'm in Bali and I'm going to have more creative room because in London I was recording my studio all the time studio studios because it rains every day so I cannot go out there to t- <laughs> yeah it's like I cannot do anything I cannot so do fucking depressing. yes it's like I cannot go outdoors yeah. to shoot with a model and making it more dynamic so yeah. it's like in Bali it's gonna be amazing because I can do creative portrait photography in a rice field somewhere and you know bring more fun to the tunnel uh yeah <laughs> if you were to narrow down on one thing that's contributed most to your growth on YouTube yeah. What would it be? Oof. Um, to grow when I was a beginner and nobody knew me, um, make searchable content on YouTube. Searchable like, content. Searchable. Searchable. Like things that people can search. Oh, because okay. YouTube is like yeah, Google. Yeah, it's, a, it's a search You're, engine. Yeah, exactly. So you put uh, how to do this, how to do that, uh, how to create a home photography studio. Right. That one made me grow a lot. So I was playing with that. It's like, what can I teach that I know people are searching for? So it's like, okay, I know about this and people may be searching for that. So I did searchable content and educational content because people look for that. So I was doing a lot of how to do this, how to blah, 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 how to light this, how to use one light. So that's how I grew. But then what made people stick is just sharing genuinely how I am and how I grew in London and my struggles. Because many people made the mistake of sewing perfection all the time in social media. And people don't like that because it's like, we all have problems. We all struggle. If you see someone perfect all the time, you don't relate that much to that person. 
But when I started to show my struggles and how I grew in London and how I had nothing, people related to that because we are all humans and we all struggle. So that's why people stick to my channel. And yeah, I think yeah, that people just want authenticity. Yeah, exactly. I think we're past the stage of social media where yeah. people just want to see perfection. Exactly. Now we're through that and it's kind of it's like, no, we want to see the imperfection. Yeah. That's why TikTok's is so popular yeah, because they see the real lives. You <laughs> yeah. Know? I don't want to talk about TikTok. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Good. What about photography uh, in terms of inspirations? You know, yeah. w w who did you look up to when you began? Who do you look up to now? Who do you kind yeah. of refer back to for that kind of that soul and that inspiration? This is weird because for me, it's like I look at a photo and I don't necessarily look even the name of the photographer. Like I have my inspirations, I will tell you in a minute. But um, since I started, that was just myself, my camera, what I wanted to do and explore what I liked. And then maybe, obviously, you see in social media photos or you see some inspiration out there. But I didn't feel like I had a photographer that inspired me in particular. I do have my favorite one. So, for example, uh, Vivian Mayer. We were talking about this before. Um, I love her rawness. She was a street photographer and nobody knew her work till she died. And so one found all that's kind it, of common thing. It's an amazing that posthumous popularity. Yeah. After, after people, people died found out that yeah. she had so many films undeveloped and then she became famous. She's amazing. Yeah. And it's like raw documentary photography, street photography in New York and Chicago. And I love that kind of photography. But then, for example, I studied creative direction for fashion in London. So we studied a lot of fashion photographers. And I started to don't like fashion photography too much. Because I see fashion photographers and they are very big. And I look at them. This is very, a very unpopular opinion. People may jump on it. <laughs> it's going to be in the highlights. Go. Yeah. <laughs> because people are like, oh, I love fashion photography or this fashion photographer is amazing. And they have so many followers. And I look at the photos and I'm like, what is creative about this photo? It's just a beautiful model. There is nothing apart of a beautiful model. So I was like, I was a bit disappointed with fashion photography when I went to London. And it's all about having contacts. I don't like the industry at all. Also, can I just jump yeah. in there? The model, yeah. the stylist. Yeah. You're already like 80% of the you way there. Do just press the shutter button. Nothing. Yeah. I saw big photographers on set because I was actually recording a video for Ben Sherman. And it's like, okay, like there is not much you can do. I prefer the BTS shots I did from the artist I was shooting than actually the editorial shoot yeah. they shot because yeah. it's nothing creative about that. But then we're gonna get loads of comments now from people. Yeah, I love fashion photography. Why are you talking about? Well, you know what you're talking about. Yeah. You've done it. Yeah, and I wanted to be there as well. I wanted to do fashion, but then I saw how dirty is the industry. Like, I've been published in Vogue magazine for free. Nobody pay you. Like, people are literally dropping photos for free for the editorials to take it for free. It's like there is no merit. There is no merit whatsoever because they're not even booking you. You are throwing free photos. Mm -hmm. It's. I, I was very disappointed when I saw this scene a little bit. But one of your inspirations is fashion photographer. Yeah, Mario Sorrenti is called. He's Italian-American. And yeah, I was doing this course. So we were doing research from various, various um, fashion photographers. And they all were like, okay, celebrity models, like beautiful photos, a studio, amazing dresses, as you say, it's all about the stylist. But then Mario Sorrenti was the only photographer I saw. Of course, there are many more, 100% that played with creativity a lot. So I saw shots from him like using architecture and the post, like super weird posters of the model to frame, I don't know how to explain, like 
it was very creative. It was okay, maybe the dress, but then the way he was leading the model to pose, to match with the architecture of the background, uh-huh. he used to, to fill the frame. It was very structural, very abstract. And actually in the class, we all had a project to expose our favorite photo. Everyone looked at me weird because the photo is selected. It was so freaking weird. Everyone is like, why you selected that? So abstract. You couldn't even see the model. It was a crazy dress. You couldn't even see the face of the model. Very weird pose. And nobody understood. It's like, for me, this is amazing. Because I kind of can't see what is going on in his head. It's like, I see why he was doing that. You know, I don't know. I always think the way you shoot, the way you lead the model, the way you lead, it talks a bit about what you have in your head. And he, I don't know, I love the way he shoots because he always do weird poses with the models. And I, I find it very different to other fashion photographers. There's a skill in that direction, isn't it? As, yeah. as part of a photographer, if you're yeah, doing 100%. both at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. And your third inspiration? So I forgot the surname because I don't know how to pronounce it. George. George Hammond. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I followed him for a long time on Instagram. That's what I told you. Like, there are huge photographers, well known worldwide. But for yeah. me now, I appreciate talents like him. Like, okay, he's big in social media, but it's like, I don't know how to explain. I see so many photos I love and it's from photographers they are not recognized. And I feel that is so unfair. It's like, that's why I don't look at big photographers. I look what I see. And if I like a photo, you may be my favorite photographer. And George, the photos... It's crazy. I keep showing because my mom loves photography as well. And I saw her because she's not that into social media, my mom. Like, oh my God, how did he do that? Da, da, da. And I enjoy it so much. And I, it's crazy, his photos. The drone photography he, he mm, does, mm. it's crazy. And the way he edits. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's crazy. There's a lot in the edits. Uh, yeah, but a th- lot. But that's a whole skill in itself. Yes, this is crazy. For me, when people tell me, ah, it's a lot in the edit. It doesn't matter. It's part of the skill. Oh, for, of yes, course. you have to edit the photo. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. used to get a lot of stick from people with that. Um, you know, they could tell my either my photo was set up or, yeah. was, you know, obviously used. Yours ed- are amazing. Ed- like they are ed- like perfect. Oh, Your work is amazing. You. Yeah. Yeah. Plus you do something very different. Yeah. And you don't see photographers doing that anymore. Many years ago, maybe, but now what you do, like sewing the culture and portraiting people, but like a stage, like preparing the light and you're going to tell a story. I don't think there is many people doing that. So. Thank, yeah, yeah, it's very I, good. I, I don't know. That's why I'm still doing it because like It's you, great. I love all photography. Yeah. Um, yeah. Maybe not product photography and maybe not fashion photography yeah. either, but pretty much every other niche, every other style, sub-niche, whatever you want to label But that's a as. strength. Yeah. I love all of it. Right? Yeah. But so I've always doubted like which path do I want to go down? Yeah. What do I just always come back to? And it, it was always that. Plus, I didn't see many other people doing it. So- there's a lot of people that don't like it, but those people do really like it. Yeah. And that's enough for me. You've but had yeah, to stick to it. Like yeah. I used to get a lot of stuff. Oh, you edit. You, you know, you shouldn't be editing. What are you talking about? That's yeah, well, people, that is oh integrated God. in photography. You're editing <laughs> as soon as you pick up the camera because you're yeah. choosing what goes in that frame. Yeah. Like that's, Exactly. I mean, but you have to edit bullshit. the photos. That's yeah, part of, of the course. art. Even if you film, you're editing the photo. Exactly. Yeah. 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 And everyone does like documentary travel photography, no? Like uh, I love that doing that. But many people do it. But what you do is literally, no, I want to portray this person. I'm going to tell the story and I'm going to make the photo the best I can make it. And yeah, there is no people doing that. And it's great. Yeah. Yeah. A um, couple of kind of more educational questions, mm-hmm. I think, because 
certainly with you, so good at educating and providing your story. And I think that's one reason, by the way, why you you are growing so well on YouTube is that you yeah. encompass your story in the education side yeah, of it. I guess, yeah. Because Thank it's you. so easy. I really struggle with that. Oh, you know, three tips for this and you should yeah. do that. But because you live and breathe it and yeah. the way you produce your videos, is a, it's a story from start to finish. Yeah, I think that's, thank you. <laughs> that's amazing. But let's let's get boring for a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. Give me a, a couple of tips and tricks do you think no one really talks about that much? The first one is related to what I said before, because everyone talks about technicism, how to edit, the basic uh, knowledge. But the first one is to don't listen to anyone unless they are supporting you in your path. Okay. Yes. And this is something when I say it on my channel, people is like, thank you for saying that because actually my husband says I'm too old for this. My kids say this, you know, and that actually really limits you. Yep. Because for me, obviously I pushed through, but it was very hard to push through when you didn't have anyone that believed on you. So don't listen to people who tell you you cannot make it. Just push through regardless because many people feel overwhelmed already with the fact that they had to take a camera and learn it. If on top of that, people around you is telling you, ah, why are you going to bother? There are so many good photographers out there. They don't want to take the camera. You know, it happens. I see all my subscribers struggling with that. And nobody talks about this. And it's psychological, basically. So that would be one tip. Just don't listen to anyone unless they are supporting you. And if they are not supporting you, that's fine. Take your camera and go out there and shoot and, and keep learning. Fuck you, them all. Yeah, fuck them all. Yeah. <laughs> literally, like yeah. literally. And the more they're going to give you shit <laughs> like the more you have to pursue what you want to you know to show them because there is a space for everyone in the photography industry i was terrified sure. as well yeah yep. it's like london it's like oh london you have so many jobs yeah but the competition is crazy the photographers in london are insane but then you have a lot of work as well so i encourage everyone to do it and don't listen to the voices because it's so overwhelming already to learn photography enough to also listening to the people ah you cannot make it it's just a hobby blah 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 so that would be one tip and another tip, this is regarding portrait photography, would be because I have so many introverts asking me this. It's like, I'm an introvert. How am I going to become a portrait photographer? And I think you can make it because I'm not an introvert. I'm an extrovert. <laughs> I think everyone can tell. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like at the beginning, I was terrified to shoot with people as well because I didn't have the knowledge enough. I was scared to feel stuck in the studio and the client could see that. Be awkward. Yeah. And, yeah. You got to feel confidence and it's fake it till you make it in a studio. So I feel always like confident. Even if you messed up, don't be nervous. Don't be quiet. Always talk, you know, like practice because everyone tells me, everyone struggles with this. Ah, how do I make a portfolio? I'm terrified to shoot with people because they want to jump and start to shoot with clients. Don't do that. Shoot with your sister, your brother, with family, friends, because when you are shooting with them, you're going to learn how to lead someone. You're going to see maybe problems you can solve later. So shoot, start shooting with friends and family. Also to get a portfolio or collaborations with models. Don't charge and so you don't have the pressure. And then when you trust more your abilities, you're going to feel less nervous to shoot with someone who is paying you because you already know you feel stuck what you had to do because you already experienced that. Yeah. A beginner mistake is jumping. Ah, I want to work with clients. Yeah. No. Like yeah. first you have to, you know, shoot with people you feel comfortable with because I understand it's very intimidating. I never wanted to be a portrait photographer. Is the niche I didn't want to touch when I was doing surf photography because I thought it was very difficult. It's like, I don't want to shoot with people like so hard, making them pose and making them look good. Like never in my life I would think I would be a portrait photographer and now it's what I, what I enjoy the most doing. So yeah, practicing a lot. I think in the, what you were talking about, um, 
which I would just kind of add, but make the same point. Yeah. I see a lot of portrait photographers, certainly starting out, um, not managing expectations of the subject. So mm-hmm. if you're using friend, fans and fr- fans, fans, friends and family, <laughs> yeah. um, definitely start with friends and family. Yeah. Even self-portraits, just so you kind of oh, know, yes. the f- know the flow of being in this room. Yeah. Do a self-portrait in the same room that you would do a portrait with a exactly. client or a friend and family. Um, but also practice learning how to explain to them what's going. You said don't yeah. don't not talk, right? Always, yeah. always talk. talk. Silence is not awkward. good. Not and it's good. awkward for them. So if you're constantly <laughs> yeah. talking, that just puts you talk about fucking anything. Yeah. Yeah. Um there's my, Fee, my wife, she's brilliant at that because what <laughs> I allows me to focus a little bit more on the creative. Kind yeah. of what I want to get and fees kind of the icebreaker and yeah things. that's good but obviously a lot of people don't have that luxury but that and managing the expectations so saying to that person definitely if you go from friends and family to models who there's always models out there that want photos yes exactly and you just have a collaboration free yeah so you can practice but when they come and say oh, I'm just practicing I can't promise you anything amazing yeah. but like just let me practice on you and hopefully yeah. you can get a few good shots so their expectations are not like Oh, I'm exactly. Gonna, you know, this is going to be a top professional shoot, but just yeah. if they know that you're a beginner and that you're just trying and it's testing, fine. Yeah. it's fine. Everyone's okay with it. Yeah. But it's, again, it's just that managing expectations. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Third tip. Do you have a third tip? Yeah. <laughs> you mentioned self portrait photography. Yeah. And this is for me. Oh my God. I don't even know how many times I say it on my channel. And many people, ah, yeah, but you look good in your self portraits. It's like, I post my self portraits, but you don't need to. Learn with self portrait photography. I learned portrait photography with myself. I didn't even know I wanted to get into self-portrait photography because for me, it was okay. I don't have a model. I was still in Spain. I want to learn portrait photography and I don't have a model. It's like, okay, I'm going to practice with myself. And then I fell in love with self-portrait photography to express myself. But self-portrait photography, you can learn a lot. Many people feel intimidated with the studio lighting. It's like, do self-portrait photography. I still, before every photo shoot, many times when I went to try something new, I experiment with myself. I put the camera there, I put the lighting I'm thinking about, and then I start to shoot. So then the day after, it's like, okay, this idea I know is going to work. Practice with yourself. Like, this is the best tip ever. Nobody's watching. So even if you mess up a million times, nobody's watching you. And then you're going to be able to learn about lighting. It's like, okay, if I put the light here, let's see how it looks. Okay, I don't like it. You learn by yourself. You don't need a model. You don't need to practice with someone else or bothering to find a model. I always say this, how many subscribers is like, ah, but you know, I'm not photogenic. Who cares? Nobody's going to watch the photo. Just yourself. Just don't post it and that's it. But I think it's amazing. It's how I learned portrait photography with myself. Wonderful. Great tips. Yeah, um, yeah definitely agree with all of that. Um, what equipment do you use? Touch, touch upon it. I know you've changed Sony this year. Yeah. Um, <laughs> people see a lot of your equipment setups on YouTube and stuff, which yeah. I think is amazing because... Some photographers don't like to kind of share that yeah. stuff, but give give people give us a, love it. Give people, us a quick insight to yeah. what you use now in terms of your 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 bag, okay. your gear. Yeah. So I mean, I I love Canon. Like people make this competition within Canon and Sony. It's like I moved to Sony. I have videos about this for some reasons because now I do video as well, and I think the Sony cameras are incredibly versatile and very easy to change between programs and stuff. Yep. To shoot video, photo, like it's very quick. So versatility, that's why I change to Sony. But I love Canon as well. And people get stuck into, ah, which brand is better? 
they are all freaking amazing, regardless of which one you choose. Absolutely. Yeah. So when people people got even upset with me, oh my God, Canon is better. It's like, don't be that way. Like I didn't change Canon because I didn't like it. I, I love Canon. I didn't want to leave Canon. But then it's like, okay, I'm going to take Sony because actually I have the Sony A7R5 and it has everything I need for my YouTube videos, for photography. I needed versatility. So if I wouldn't have a YouTube channel, probably I would be still with my 5D Mark IV and it's a DSLR. I was very happy with it. I love that camera because it's big and heavy and I love it. So I didn't want to change necessarily. But yeah, I use now the Sony A7R5 as my main photography camera. And then I have my blogging camera, which is the Sony A7C, which is quite tiny. Okay. So it's easier to blog around. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I use the Sony A7R5, but to vlog and stuff, the Sony A7C is perfect. Those are my go-to cameras. Then I have obviously the drone, the GoPro, blah, blah, blah. Lighting? But Sorry? Lighting? Oof, lighting. I don't even have lighting anymore <laughs> because oh, really? I came here. Oh, okay. Yeah, I brought uh, the brand Zion. I don't know if you know. Mm, um, yeah. It's uh, written Zion. It's like a Japanese brand uh, because I started to collaborate with them for YouTube, and I I love the brand. It works and it's affordable, so I'm not like very fussy about lighting. And I was using Godox, affordable as well. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And then then I have to talk about Elinchrom. Because okay. I do have a reflector from Elinchrom. And at the beginning, when I was a beginner, I thought it wouldn't make a difference. Like, I can have something affordable and that's it. But then when I came back to London, I had to rebuy all my stuff. Because I have the expensive stuff in Spain. And it was very expensive oh, to send okay. it to London because of Brexit. Now you have to pay a lot of taxes. Of course, yeah. So it's like, okay, I'm going to rebuy stuff, but the cheap version, because I already have the expensive stuff in Spain. But then when I came back to Spain and recorded a video with Elinchrom, I mean, it's amazing. Because now I was using newer, okay? Like very affordable Amazon purchase uh, as a reflector. It does the job. So my subscribers love the advice because they don't need to spend a lot of money to start. But there is a massive difference between good gear and bad gear. And in reflectors, I, I invest. And Elling Chrome for me, it's amazing. I have a huge one. It's one meter diameter. <laughs> and the wow. deep one is a deep octabox. And it's crazy how it soothes the skin and everything. Like, it's, it makes the difference. Good gear. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think the the lights themselves are that important. Yeah, um, me But neither. the softbox, the diffusers. Yeah. Light, is light, I'm not 100%. bothered. Which brand do you because use for lighting? Because it depends lighting? how the light is spread, how soft you can get it, and some are just better than others. Yeah. Um. Well, these are Godox, but I okay. usually... You have Profoto, no? I yeah, saw. Profoto, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I have two Profoto lights. One I take it's kind of my on-location light because it's yeah, I saw. smallish. It's good. And I have a 135cm softbox, which just about fits into everything yeah. when I travel and most rooms for intimate portraits. No lighting is so affordable. Years oh, ago, you had to spend a grand to own a light. Now with Godox and these small brands, as you said, you don't notice as much difference. It's better to buy a good uh, SD diffuser. cards are more expensive. Sorry? SD cards are more expensive oh than Oh my lights. God. Almost 400 quid I pay for mine. I just broke a 512 gigabyte one yesterday. Oh my yesterday, God, that's crazy. Like, They're so expensive. I need cards to buy SD cards and SSDs. Hard drives, yeah. Because you don't feel the reward. When yeah. it's a camera, you're excited. Yeah, it's but when you storage. buy it, <laughs> it's like, oh my God, I yeah. say 400 quid on this. <laughs> it's very expensive. And now recording videos, 4K. You need capacity. A lot of storage. Why are we yeah. not evolving in that space yet? Why yeah. are we not just basically 
got an SD card that's that yeah. big and a, and an SSD that's that that tiny. big, that's 3,000 <laughs> yeah. terabytes. And traveling, you travel a lot as well to travel yeah. with all yeah. the hard drives and SSDs and SD cards. It's, it's Come crazy. On, guys. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of evolution. <laughs> yeah. What does the future look like for you? How are you? How do you evolve as an artist? What is your idea of evolution as an artist well, and photographer? Um, the idea of evolution is just keep experimenting. So this is one of the reasons I came to Bali as well, because I was feeling stuck in London. I was doing creative portrait photography. I could get fashion shoots, but I love traveling. I love landscape photography. And it's like, okay, maybe I can combine landscape photography with also creative portrait photography, but outdoors in nature rather than in a city like I was doing. So for me, evolving is experimenting i'm learning every single day <laughs> like every time i'm like i'm productive i'm not doing something i like to watch tutorials to improve my videos because i love filmmaking i want to get more into it i want to be able to merge photography and video in both maybe for bts on my channel like do like nice b-roll of the model in a beautiful landscape and then take amazing pictures so all this combination i couldn't do it in london so for me evolving is keep changing countries like <laughs> <laughs> She's like, everyone is like, oh my God, you left Spain for London, now London for Bali, what's next? But um, now I can't do it, right? I don't have any attachments, so I'm just pursuing my my creativity and, you know, what it fulfills me. So, yeah, I think you have to chase your creativity. And evolving is that, it's experimenting. It's not, because many people would say to evolve is become better at what you are doing. And for me, it's not necessarily that. I think it's experimenting other things. Because when you're a creative, I mean, the possibilities are endless. So it's experimenting. Maybe you don't like it, but at least you tried it. And evolving is trying different things. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. Yeah. Is there a path towards such a thing as success? And if so, how do you define success? Oh, this is, yeah, this is something very interesting for me because when I arrived to London, London, I mean, it's proper matrix. Everyone status and do this and what do you do for a living status games yeah. all the time it's all about that i was a creative director what car have you got yes and how big's your house and yes so success when i was living in spain it would be working for a huge company okay for my parents success is that and it was for me because it's what i knew so work for a big company or you know in the field of photography maybe become a big photographer to be published in this magazine but then when I arrived to London, I think that is so freaking overrated. It's like success is not that. Because I became a creative director and I was very proud. Oh, I'm a creative director, blah, blah, blah. I hated it. I wasn't shooting. I was leading the photographers. I was hiring the photographers. I wasn't shooting. And then on top of that, I was working for a company. So the CEO of the company was telling me how he, he wanted the things to be done. I didn't want that. Creatively, it was a killer because I didn't like the way he was doing things. I wanted to do them in another way, but mm -hmm. I couldn't. Mm -hmm. And then I was impressing the satire. So it's like status is nothing. It's not being successful. Even if I'm earning a lot of money, I quit that job. And my parents were like crazy. Oh my God, you're quitting the job, the salary, blah, blah, blah. People think success is a good salary and working as a creative director in a good company, for instance. For me, no, I quit that job. <laughs> I went solo traveling to South America to kind of put my shit together. And when I came back, it's like, I'm going to put myself with the pressure of making it as a freelancer and with the pressure of not having money to pay my rent to move my ass to get clients and become a freelancer. And yes, some months I was doing amazing and some, job, some months I was struggling. But for me, that was success. I had less money. It was a roller coaster. I was struggling sometimes. Sometimes I was very good. 
But for me, that was more success than being a creative director because I was doing what I wanted. I was having the clients I wanted. I had creative freedom and I was my own boss. So I decide when I wake up, I decide when I go to bed. So for me, freedom is success. Doing something you love is success. It's not working for a big company or having a lot of money. I was like having way less money after being a creative director and I was way happier. So success is whatever, you know, makes you happy. And freedom for me is super important. (laughs) Emphasize on freedom. (laughs) Um, Last two questions, I guess, um, as we wrap up. Um, One is from our previous podcast guest. So um, we kind of copy a tradition um, from Stephen Bartlett. Yeah, I love the Diary of a CEO. That is just such a good idea. I love love that podcast. Yeah. So um, Mikel's question, our last podcast guest, he asked, um, yeah, I mean, well, it, I, it depends how kind of deep you want to go here, but okay. What was your lowest point, and what did you learn from it? Oh wow! Personally, or my career? Any anything you want? Well, my career would be what I just said, so I'm not going to repeat myself. Would be becoming a creative director and then realize I didn't want that. Go to Ecuador, traveling solo, and put my shit together and become a photographer for real. And then personally, it was a breakup, obviously, um, in London many years ago. It was very hard because, yeah, I was living with some friends and it was it was friends of my ex-boyfriend as well. Oh. Yeah. So it was very complicated because I would go at home and he would be there, my ex with my friends. So and I wa- it was a very toxic relationship. So um, I needed to break up with him because it was toxic, but I was still in love. So it was very hard. But um, yeah, for me, it was one of the darkest periods in my life in London. I had to break up with him, loving him, move flat with strangers and leaving my friends behind because I couldn't, I couldn't break up with someone I love if I have him in place all the time. So yeah, I changed job. I changed flat to go to live with the strangers in London and I broke up with my ex after two years, almost three years. And that was very bad for me emotionally. But then, yeah, it, it made me stronger. I was so bad and so miserable that I broke free of my ex, my house, my job, and then I cannot reborn. I, it made me stronger. I was so miserable. I was like, I don't want to be like this. And I always say, when you are going through a bad period in your life, there is always a reason for it. Always, always, always. And I've been very bad, like in very bad situations, and I don't regret. Because thanks to that, now I can stand more, <laughs> more things in my life. So yeah, I learned a lot from that. Sometimes you have to break with everything to reborn. And, and yeah, and since then I started to grow a lot. So, yeah. Good for you. What, yeah. what um, advice can you give photographers and videographers specifically, or let's call them yeah. creatives, um, to maintain a decent level of mental health? Oof. This is very so complicated. Just, maybe just some kind of little practices, something, maybe routines that you do or yeah. something that you found helped you. Okay. Um, stop scrolling. <laughs> this is the best advice. Brilliant advice. I keep doing it myself. and But it's not like, I keep doing it because not in a toxic way anymore, you know? When I was a beginner, it's very toxic. When you're a beginner, don't spend time consuming content and scrolling and comparing yourself to others. You're going to be so confused and so discouraged. Well, the intent is different. Depending what your intention is with that scrolling, am I getting inspired and educated or or am I comparing and resenting? 100%. I I say that in a video exactly what you said right now. Because many people go there and they just punish themselves or they just find it as an excuse to don't pick up camera. Ah, You see, so many photographers, they're very good already. No, you're going to feel inspired. 
go for it. I do that constantly. But then if you're going to compare yourself to others and it's going to put you down, don't do it. I think social media can be a blessing or a course. <laughs> it's crazy. Absolutely. Yeah. So yeah, for mental health, don't compare yourself to others. Stop scrolling unless it's to find inspiration in a healthy way. And do what you love. Don't be conditioned by people telling you, because maybe even, even someone may be supporting you. Ah, don't do this kind of photography because there are not too many jobs about this niche, for instance. Don't, don't listen to that. Or if you listen to that because you want to make profit, obviously we all need to eat. Make sure you always do something creatively that you like because otherwise you're going to end up hating it and hating photography and that's not uh, the goal. Wonderful, wonderful yeah. advice. Totally agree with everything. We're going to end with another Diary of a CEO tradition. Nice. Um, we're going to do a lucky dip though. Okay. Tradition, but um, we're going to do a lucky tip of these conversation cards. So if you just pull out anyone right. and hand it to me, and I'll, I'll ask okay. you a question. <laughs> I'm scared. No? Okay, I'm going to rephrase this a little bit and give you more of a chance. So the original question is what five entrepreneurs, dead or alive, would you have for dinner? But let's say what oh, three wow. photographers, dead or alive, would you have for dinner? Wow. Have dinner with them, like hang out. I don't know. <laughs> this is so hard. Um, wow, Take I don't time. know. Uh, well, actually, that's probably a difficult question because we've already, we've already talked about your three inspirations. Yeah, exactly. So, so like them, that's it. <laughs> no, but it's what I said before. Like many times, I mean, this is going to be very uh, polemic as well. So many times, big photographers, you don't learn that much from big photographers. This is this is what I think because I I work with very big photographers in London and it's as you said no all they do is press in the shutter they have the light technicians the stylist you are looking and you don't learn that much you learn you learn more from the light technicians than from the photographer so it's what I said I admire more like photographers like George Kyle and these people because you know it's like I feel them like at my level like we are just people who love traveling, who love taking photos, and that's it. We don't intend to, of course, we are growing as a photographer, but we don't intend to appear in a magazine. We don't have big teams behind us to, you know, so I just, you know, any photographer really who, who loves, yeah, who loves what, what I do for a living and we are hustling together. Like, I think that's the best inspiration. It inspired me more to see someone that is hustling like me yep. than someone who has it all already and has a whole team behind. Of course, it's great as well. I'm not going to say no. But yeah, just people, simple people like us, like we came here to Bali to try to yep. make it happen and pursue our dreams. Well, we're hustling with the podcast. So yeah. thanks, thanks so much for coming <laughs> Thank you on. for having me. Um, I'm very happy. It's been an inspiration more than anything. Thank and, you. <laughs> and I've certainly taken a lot from it and I'm 100% sure that all of our audiences will be able to yeah. take so much away. So thank you for your time. I know you're really busy at the moment. <laughs> it's crazy. Um, you? Really appreciate you. you yeah. Thank you for having so, me because yeah. nobody asked me questions like this before. Okay. So it really helps me to understand my work and my career and myself. It's like a therapy, creative therapy. Good. So thank you so much. It was great. Thanks so yeah, much. Thank and you. We, we look forward to welcoming you back here. If it's for a great. shoot, just for a coffee yeah, or 100%. the second episode of the podcast. There's Perfect. so much more we can talk about. But Perfect. for yes. now, until next time, thank you so much. Thank you so much, Matt. Thank you. <laughs>